Well, markets are mixed right now, but the trend continues upwards for equities, by and large, and away from bonds, even as a slug of them are being auctioned by the U.S. Treasury. U.S. jobless claims were less last week than the week before. The ABS labor force data shows unemployment has risen in Australia. So what's the RBA going to do about it? Philip Lowe is in front of the Economic Committee today. An oil down because airline growth doesn't look like it's going to happen. And a slew of Chinese data today. Plus, Auckland, will it stay in lockdown? It's Friday, the 14th of August, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, equities are mixed in the United States. The Nasdaq is up another 0.3%. The S&P 500 is down a little after yesterday's new high. And the Dow is down about 0.3%. Here's how bizarre the equity markets can be. Tesla shares are worth 16% more than two days ago, ahead of their five-for-one split at the end of this month. So go figure that out. That's like saying, I'm going to cut a pizza eight ways instead of four, so I'm going to charge you twice as much. In Europe, it's all red on equities, down 1.5% for the foot. 100, 0.6% for the Eurostoxx 50. Treasuries, though, are down in price, with 10-year Treasury yields up four basis points. 30 years are up seven basis points. Two years up about uh, half a basis point, so more steepening of the curve. Uh, Aussie 10-year bond yields are down three basis points, down nine in New Zealand to 0.62%. The US dollar is down a little. The pound and the euro are also up, uh, but by not much. But the Aussie has lost ground, about 0.3% down. The Kiwi dollar is down about 0.6%. And yesterday's jump in oil prices, that didn't last long. WTI is down 0.7% this morning and gold back on the rise. 0.7% added to COMEX, but it's staying below that $2,000 mark. And here's Gavin Friend, Senior Market Strategist at NAB in London, back with us. No surprise, perhaps, that equities have pulled back a little. And oil, well, oil was at a post-COVID high, uh, and the S&P 500 closed at an all-time high yesterday. So just a bit of moderation, perhaps. But what about those Treasury yields at a seven-week high? Mm, good morning, Phil. Nice to speak to you again. Um and so we've seen something of a rise in bond yields in the US, Europe, UK, Japan, not New Zealand, of course, for idiosyncratic reasons. But, you know, this is a change from what we've been seeing really uh, from early June, I guess, um, until last week when the direction of travel for yields was flat to slightly lower in nominal yields. Uh, so things like the US 10s, you know, edging down a few basis points to new all-time lows of, what, 0.5%. Same time, inflation adjusted or real yields like US tips, tens fell disproportionately. So US, US 10 tips fell from what minus 0.5 early, early June to minus 1.12, I think was the lower, a decline of you know at least 60 basis points. And that suggests you know some sort of inflation protection being sought, and that meshed with the idea of the rising gold and demand for alternative assets, stores of wealth, all that kind of stuff. Um, but with growth and demand so sluggish uh, and deficient, it's unclear if that was a sort of a reflation or a stagflation-led move. This week, however, we've seen yields pop higher. The move has been led by nominal yields rather than real yields, so that the break-even inflation rates continue to rise. And it's worth noting that US 10-year break-evens are now back at 1.69%. That's back to where we were prior to the, the, the crisis, the COVID crisis. 
So there's still a bias for inflation cover and, and gold. Gold, you notice today, has you know, re- recovered itself after the heady sell-off earlier this week. Um, but it's not clear why yields or nominal yields and y- yield curves are all steepening. Well, could it just be because there's so many of them? I and mean, we've got the US Treasury auctioning $26 billion in 30-year bonds today. That's got to have some influence, hasn't it? Uh, indeed, indeed. And there was also quite a lot of issuance in Europe, uh, Italy today, and we've seen yields rise there. I mean, that's, that's, that is one very plausible reason. I've heard that quite a lot uh, this week, uh, and that once that, over, that is over, yields might start to decline again. Um, I just wonder, though, whether it's something more sinister uh, than supply. Um, you know, perhaps a nascent feeling that the economic data is starting to improve. And, and by this, I don't really mean sort of lagging GDP numbers. Uh, or the fact that they're likely to get better in the Q- in Q3, and we won't know that for some time. But the high frequency numbers continue to get better. I see today U.S. housing data: almost half the home homes sold in the four weeks ending the second of August were on the market for no more than two weeks. Yeah. It's the fastest uh, sale rate ever. So you know, for all the economic pain, mm. and, and 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 we know that with the whole stimulus debate. Some households, some businesses are really going through a tough time. We know that for some others, these house buyers, for instance, yeah. who are keeping their jobs, Ex- things look better. It's the haves and have-nots, um, isn't it? So in, in the in, in the have-nots, let's uh, let's look at those weekly jobless numbers in the United States because maybe this was good. Uh, initial claims fell below one million last week uh, for the first time since the twenty first of March. Yeah, down two hundred twenty eight thousand uh, to nine hundred sixty three thousand. The market was looking for one point one million. Uh, continuing claims to 15.486 million from 15.8. But the level remains high. And, uh, you know, there are more Americans filing claims each week than there were in the peak of the 2008-09 global financial crisis. So some way to go. Yeah, well, the continuing claims fell from 16 million to 15.5 million, which is a 3% fall. It's going to take a long Mm -hmm. time if if it recovered at that rate. Which uh, brings us on on to what Mary Daly from the San Francisco Fed was saying uh, today. Robert Kaplan saying pretty much the same thing as well. Progress is going to be slow until a vaccine is found. And they need that that recovery plan. They need that fiscal plan, but we're just seeing no progress on it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a a, a negative impulse on the market, but because markets have learned that politicians get there eventually and in, in this instance there really isn't any kind of you know there's, there's, there's no choice markets are taking this standoff this stalemate broadly in this in their stride you, you quite often hear them hear the hear the comment um that that because markets are sanguine on this issue they aren't fretting about it via you know sharp movement in asset prices there's no pressure on politicians to act I mean, there may be a kernel of truth in that, but the pressure isn't going to come from markets for, for precisely that reason. The pressure is what the gridlock is doing to each party's political capital in the run-up to the election. And here, you know, we have both sides claiming the other isn't interested in negotiating any further. And by implication, each side feels that they aren't being blamed. You know, if you look at the from the from the from the White House point of view, this claim plus the president's executive orders last weekend, i.e. that he is prepared to do something, clearly makes them feel that they have a stance that, that, that they're not being blamed for this. On the other side, you've got House Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying she's prepared to come down by a trillion dollars to if, if the Republicans would raise their stimulus package plans by a trillion. 
I mean, at some point... They're going to meet um, in the middle. You'd hope, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this two in a frame will only go on so far before, you know, one side or the other will look more culpable than the other. In mm. the meantime, you just hope that, uh, you know, that it, it, it won't be because, you know, households and businesses are really start, you know, they're struggling. Um, mm. You know, that we, we start to see, you know, signs of plight there and that forces movement. I mean, that, yeah. that would be... Don't want to see that. Absolutely. You have to wait that far. You know? No. Well, one of those numbers might be retail sales, which is out for the United States tonight for July and also the Michigan Fed consumer sentiment read for August. Now, of course, the Michigan, very important for Donald Trump. It's pretty much his heartland. They're over their second wave now. And they've seen a fall in the weekly jobless claims as well in the numbers that are out today. So maybe they'll be a little bit more optimistic there. But of course, you know, those numbers came out uh, after the survey question was asked. Look, good news for jobs in Australia, isn't it? Well, sort of. 115,000 more employed people in the uh, numbers out yesterday. Uh, much more than anticipated. This is from ju- uh, June to July, the uh, ABS labour force data from yesterday. Sounds great until you look at the uh, the unemployment rate, which has uh, gone from 5.1% before the virus up to 7.5% in July. Mm, this is true. So employment has recovered about 340,000 of the 870,000 jobs lost since May, mostly part-time, 323,000 of 340. Hours works encouraging rose another 1.3% in July, which is still what, 5.5% below the pre-virus level, but well off the lows there of 10.4%. That's what, you know, hours went down by, by, by the most. Um, in the month, almost 130,000 fewer people worked zero hours. Obviously, another, you know, positive development. The jobless rate, as you say, did rise a tenth to 7.5%. That was below the consensus of 7.8 as more people restart their job search. Um, you know, the participation rate up to, what, 64.7 from 64.1. It was, recall, you know, pre-crisis above 66%. So we've got some way to go there. And that's why we still think that, uh, unfortunately, the unemployment rate will probably um, rise further towards, you know, 10% as that uh, part rate uh, yeah. continues to push up. I mean, these data, of course, remember, largely predate the melbourne second lockdown and so we're likely to see that impact in the august data in a month's time payroll data to due to the end of july suggests that you know victoria job losses are largely offsetting the the gains that we're seeing elsewhere elsewhere so we're likely to see something of a payback i think and there's talk now as well that perhaps regional victoria victoria is also going to go into a stage four lockdown so the impact uh, worsens now look philip Lowe from the rba is in front of uh, the parliamentary inquiry today the economics committee tim wilson the, the chair of the committee uh, says uh, he's interested in seeing what the rba's plans are to support a strong recovery for the Australian economy. So will he have a plan? That's, that's the question. I wonder if there's much more he can do. Plus this afternoon, an announcement on whether Auckland, their lockdown will be extended. It seems like uh, that, that's unlikely because they had 13 new cases yesterday. Uh, the, the bond markets over there still responding, aren't they, to the dovish stance taken by the RBNZ uh, this week? They are indeed. And uh, one wonders how long that will go on for, whether, you know, in terms of our prior discussion, whether we'll start to get a pullback uh, in line with the uh, benchmark yields or whether they'll continue to go the way. The RBNZ clearly, you know, wants to try and drive the currency lower, truly want, clearly wants to get its way. And so we expect more uh, verbal intervention, if you like, on that side. And oil down today because the IEA has revised its forecast based on lessening demand for air travel as we see more lockdowns emerge. They uh, pointed that out that in April, aviation kilometres travelled was 80% down on last year. 
in July it was still 67% down. It doesn't look like it's going to pick up anytime soon. They think it's reached a plateau, a very low plateau. Uh, so that's what's driving the price of oil. Uh, from China today, we've got a whole bunch of numbers, haven't we? Industrial production, fixed asset investments. So we'll see whether they're, they're spending to grow. Uh, house prices, retail uh, sales, unemployment. We're getting the works from China. Yeah, it's that point in the month where we get the high frequency numbers, uh, as you say, uh, industrial production, fixed investments, retail sales. Um, and, you know, in terms of China being first in, first out and leading the global economic rebound, that's clearly important. We know that the story so far from China has been that, it, that, that the gains are manufacturing and IP led and, um, that, you know, retail lags so more evidence of that um you know in the next few hours will be in, you know the, the read it will be important in terms of the read through to uh, other economies that are more highly dependent on consumption like the uk like the us um but i think also you know markets are going to be very interested from the china perspective on what happens late friday and through saturday sunday's discussions between us and china yeah. on the phase one trade deal. let's hope that doesn't go too badly uh, let's hope it doesn't go backwards anyway uh, good to talk Gavin good to have you back talk again soon cheers Phil and that's it for now I'm Phil Dobby for now back again on Monday morning see you then have a great weekend 